Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, and reference right into your little ears. I'm your host, Susan McGuire, here to guide you on our journey through all things bookish and library land. Well, we're not entirely bookish on this episode of Shelf Care, the podcast, which is a good reminder that our collections are more than just books, and our collection management and advisory services serve the patrons who use all parts of the collection. I had a coworker in one of my old libraries who gave spot-on recommendations for the best opera to clean your house to. Hi, Kevin. If that's not good customer service, y'all, I don't know what is. Anyway, I spoke to folks from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who have developed a hyper-local digital music collection at the Chapel Hill Public Library. It's a super cool project that involves community partnerships, music curators, and a little bit of live performance. This episode is not all music, though, as we'll also hear from audio editor Heather Booth about the just-announced winners of the Odyssey Award for Excellence in Audiobook Production, and then I spoke to Books for Youth and Graphic Novels editor Sarah Hunter about what she's reading and loving at the moment. Let's get to it after a word from some friends. Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association. And this is Call Number with American Libraries. No, 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 wait. This is an ad for the Call Number with American Libraries podcast. Join me and the Call Number correspondents each month for conversations with authors, librarians, scholars, and more about topics from the library world and beyond. Past guests Sally Field, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Emmanuel Acho, Kwame Alexander, Roxane Gay, Rick Steves, Julia Alvarez, Wes Moore, Margaret Atwood, Ken Burns, Michael Eric Dyson, and many, many more have joined us to talk about everything from books and writing to library architecture and design. You can find us on SoundCloud iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Call Number with American Libraries. Thanks for listening. Tracks is a hyper-local streaming collection of music, the product of a partnership between the Chapel Hill Public Library in North Carolina and Chapel Hill Community Arts and Culture. I spoke to Molly Luby from the library and Melissa Bartoletta from Community Arts and Culture about how the project came to be, how it works, and how Tracks continues to reach out to the community to share local music. All of the great artists we refer to are in the show notes at booklistonline.com shelf hyphen care, and you can find Tracks at tracksmusiclibrary.org. Here we go. All right. So, hi, I'm here with Melissa and Molly. So, can you guys introduce yourselves? Sure. <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first, Melissa. I'm Molly Luby. I am Special Projects Coordinator at Chapel Hill Public Library in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yeah. And my name's Melissa Bartoletta. I do the marketing and communications for Chapel Hill Community Arts and Culture, which is a division of the town of Chapel Hill. Cool. So we're here to talk about tracks, which I was really excited about because it's sort of an unusual collection for a library. It's a music collection, but it's exclusively digital and it's all local acts. So can you talk about what tracks is, how it got started, how your partnership works, that kind of stuff? Sure. I'll take this one if you like, Melissa, and then I'll throw it to you. So tracks is 
as you say, a hyperlocal streaming collection of music. And we got started a few years ago because as everybody, you know, probably is aware, it's really, you, people don't buy CDs anymore. Music mm-hmm. doesn't generally come on CDs anymore. And what that means for public libraries is there's no great way to get new music for our patrons, for our users. And we happen to be in a really great music town, Chapel Hill. And we know that there are lots of great new up-and-coming artists making amazing music all of the time. This is a town that's had us a long and amazing history of local music. And so we also wanted to find a way to celebrate that. And so we wrote a grant to start a local music library or local music collection. And we partnered with Rabble and Musicat on the platform itself. And they are a company... They're a really small startup company who works with libraries on these music libraries. And so we're one of a handful of uh, cities in the country that has this hyperlocal music collection. So we're in the company of like Nashville and Seattle and Austin, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, good company. Right. And we're the only one in North Carolina right now that has this little collection. So I work on the library side of things and we wrote the grant to fund our first year of the project. But our actual project partners on this has been Community Arts and Culture, which is where Melissa and some other Community Arts and Culture staff come in. And what they bring is expertise in curating public art. And so, Melissa, I will throw it to you to talk about how you all came into it. The first collection launched in the June of 2020. So we're coming up on the third the third round of artists. Community Arts and Culture also is a newer division of the town of Chapel Hill. So this was an exciting project to collaborate on at a newer phase of our division. So my colleague, Steve Wright, who's the public art coordinator, had, is also really involved in the music scene in Chapel Hill, came on to kind of help with curator guidelines and the selection process of when artists submitted their work. And then I came on with marketing and communication skills and, you know, really leaning into the artists of the collection to promote, you know, them being involved with the collection. And then also, which we can get into later, like different projects that came out of, you know, launching the first collection during a pandemic and all that, which we can go into some more. Yeah, I want to go into that. But first, I want to talk about, so how how do you get the music? Can Did you just put out a call to local musicians to submit or did you seek people out? So this project in a lot of ways, so my interest really, like I love the music, but a lot of my interest and work that I do is around community engagement, community building. And this is a community building project through the library. And so part of that was getting community curators engaging these folks who have deep ties into different parts, different segments of the Chapel Hill music scene, whether it's the curator of the Southern Folklife Collection at UNC or the booker of a a club in Durham or a hip hop producer. We got all of these community curators on board before we put out our first open call for music. And their role has really been 
getting the word out to their networks and really championing the idea of this local music collection. And without them, I don't know how, I mean, we're cool. The library is cool. <laughs> yeah, you guys are very cool. <laughs> but way cooler is like Fine House 405. And, you know, um, all right. <laughs> so that was, I think, really key is like that, that word of mouth from trusted community partners. And our community curators also helped make sure that our, the people who submitted, we got a really diverse cross section of not just the Chapel Hill music scene, we are open to musicians throughout the triangle. So Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, and yeah, one of our big interests is making this a really diverse collection and of course supporting local musicians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we actually pay them to license their albums. Well, that's kind of, that's bearing a little bit of a lead there. <laughs> Can you talk about that and how that works, how the licensing works? Yeah. So this took up a lot of time initially is trying to figure out a like how we can set up a system to solicit this work from local artists, pay them and have a like legally binding sort of license that also allows the musicians to have maximum freedom of their with their own work. So we we did a lot of groundwork for that before we opened this up for submissions. But what we landed on is that we pay artists. It's not a lot. I'm going to be straight up. It's library money. But it's more than Spotify. Oh, all right. For any one of these artists, probably, that we license each album for $200. And what that does is the artists give us the right to put the album on the platform so that anyone can stream it. Library card holders can download the album and it stays on the platform for five years, at which point the artist could ask to have it taken down. The artists also have uh, can include their own like Venmo, PayPal, whatever payment platforms they like to use on their artist page. So we're all about finding ways to support the artists. So that's how that piece of it works. And so, and everybody had to come in with their albums already recorded, right? You guys weren't involved with helping folks get recorded. We weren't, but then we got into the biz. Um, that'll be another story that Melissa okay. can tell. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that part. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about Chapel CHPL getting into the recording biz and how now it's a recording studio full time. Or? <laughs> Yeah, and this is one of those projects that came out like we launched the collection January of 2020, right? So our open call happens in the winter, like just after the new year, January, and runs for about six weeks or so, where we do some targeted outreach to get local bands to submit their albums. Then we go through the curation process during the springtime. And then we launch, you know, end of spring, beginning of summer with a new collection. And that happened January of 2020. And it was like in the middle of the pandemic or just at the start because we're still here. And we had big plans to launch, you know, with concerts, you know, little promo parties, get it gathering people together. And we had grant money set aside to do all of this and to launch with a big splash, but that couldn't happen. So we had a little bit of extra money and, you know, 
as Molly mentioned, one of our biggest interests is supporting the artists and making sure that artists get paid for their work. And we wanted to continue to let that shine through. And so we decided to use some of the funds to come up with two compilation albums where they're called Tracks Volume 1 and Tracks Volume 2, where we worked with two local producers and we selected 10 artists total from the collection to create a new song for these compilations. So Kazi, one of the are one of the curators of tracks. He's a local, I guess it's like a late, like Vibe House is, was a label and um, I think a, a venue-ish at some point. He was one of the producers as well as Tom Canova. And we had these two different compilations that came out. So Kazi's was Tracks Volume 1, We Rise as Allies. And it featured all different types of artists. You know, we had local country bluegrass, Violet Bell. There was hip hop, jazz as well on that compilation. And then Tom Canova's was maybe more of the indie rock focus, which we, in our first collection, there's a lot of indie rock that's in Chapel Hill and the Triangle. So that compilation kind of steered more towards that category. And we came out with these two compilation albums that also had custom cover art produced, which I think was a really cool component. We worked with two local art, put out a call for artists to produce the cover art for each of these compilations as well. Yeah. And so those ended up dropping December 1st of 2020. Nice. And so folks can listen to that on, they're on tracks now and Yep, they're on tracks and a lot of the artists also put their songs. Yeah, they're on tracks. So yeah, check about tracks volume one and tracks volume two and they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. So the tracks volume two is isolation illumination. Oh, appropriate for, for these songs. Right. You know, it was sort of what was cool was like the one album was really really responded to a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer of 2020. And the and that was We Rise as Allies. And the isolation, what is it? Isolation Illumination was really focused on that, the pandemic. So, and that just sort of happened organically. It wasn't mm-hmm. a plan. Um, it was pretty cool to see that. So, and you can also build playlists, right? So is there an opportunity to do... I guess, for lack of a better word, like music advisory or, you know, to draw attention to like if if a uh, listener likes one sound, they might like this other band. Are there are ways to do that within the software or that you've built in. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's one of our favorite things to do. The one trick is right now, the playlists are something that uh, staff have to create, but we do that with our listeners in mind and often we'll work with either a curator or an artist or somebody else to create a playlist. And maybe they're around a genre, maybe they're around a different theme, but it's one of the best ways that listeners have to get into the collection because it can be a little Mm -hmm. overwhelming when you go to the site and it's just like a whole page of album covers and you're like, I did not know to start but if you go to one of the featured playlists these are highly curated melissa i'm pretty sure is the master of the playlist (laughs) um, has created a whole bunch of them and you know they're by mood or by genre or by another kind of theme it's a great way into the collection 
Yeah, and that's how we actually launched the second collection. We had uh, 30 new artists, I think. 24. Yeah. 24. Okay. Or 34, 34. 34. I knew it was more than 20, 25. I, I thought. <laughs> um, okay. So we had over 30 artists in the second collection and we decided to do like a rolling release. So over the course of five, four or five weeks, we put out one featured song from each of the artists that were selected and they were staff curated. So we had each staff pick out one song from, you know, their top pick artist of the second collection. And uh, we did it in the summertime. So it was our summer mixtapes. And so the summer mixtapes are a great way to have it um, be also from the lens of the staff of Tracks Music Library. Like I mentioned my colleague, Steve, who uh, works on public art in Chapel Hill. He's also known for, you know, that grungy style, 90s rock. He probably has a lot more descriptive words to use on his genre. So Steve's playlist is really representative of him. And, and so that so it was a really fun for staff engagement. And then also we thought it was a great way to feature artists just outside, like instead of rolling it out all at once, but really try and highlight the artists of the second collection. So there's a ton of playlists on there. And we hope to continue to grow the playlist. I think it's, as Molly said, a great way, like, especially when you come to a platform and you're like, I don't know a lot of these bands, like, you know, it's kind of mirrors the Spotify playlist. That, right. That's what I was going to say. That's how people find new stuff on Spotify. Yeah, is. like made for, like, it might not be, you know, super algorithm based, you know, it's actually humans creating it. And so it's, it's fun. That makes it better. Yeah. No offense to algorithms. <laughs> but. And you also, did you have some live shows? Is that? Yeah, let's talk about that. So here's another intersection with Chapel Hill Community Arts and Culture and the library. So Chapel Hill Community Arts and Culture focuses on art experiences like public art, pop-up galleries, but then also focuses on festivals and events in our community. And we put together the first Tracks Music Series, which was a free concert series for Thursdays in September, Thursday evenings at University Place, which is basically, it's a mall. Uh, So it was a parking lot concert, but we had some pretty cool, we worked with an entertainment company to set up a stage and created some neat placemaking for families and all ages to enjoy, really. There was a beer truck, there was an ice cream truck, there was games, and people would bring their lawn chair and come and listen to music. And they were also highly curated. So each week, you know, was was genre-based. And I'll let Molly chime in on the curation process. She was one of the bookers um, that got yeah. all the bands. Yeah, that's, that's the fun part is, you know, this is, again, like that community building and creating, like really supporting like whole ecosystem. So of music from Mm-hmm. production to venue to you know paying an audio engineer to come do that for the music series but booking the bands was a lot of fun of course and I can't tell you like I would ask and I you know because we again we paid the bands but we don't pay a huge amount because we're talking library money or town money local government money right and there's no like door money to give 
No, exactly. Because we do everything for free. So it's not like, it's not a huge pot of money, but I can't tell you how fast everybody was like, yes, please. Because I think it's been so long since people could play live music and participate in in this. And everybody was so eager to be a part of this. And everybody put on such great shows. It was a ton of fun. That's awesome. What was also fun. And I hope Melissa talks about it because she was also mastermind of tracks in the stacks. Okay. Tracks in the stacks. What's that? Well, it was really like a team, a a team idea. Like I think there was the director of the library, Susan Brown had this idea to have, you know, a concert filmed in the stacks of Chapel Hill Public Library. And then we were still in pandemic time, like wanting to push out some content, having extra funds since we weren't able to do in-person events. And then also having an interest on like producing video content that would last a long time, forever. And then Tracks in the Stacks came to fruition. And one of our artist curators, which we should talk about that as well. So I'll just quickly share that, you know, Molly spoke, we have community curators that are a part of the collection, but then we also utilize some of our the artists of the first collection that were really into tracks and really into the Chapel Hill and Triangle music scene that could advocate for the, you know, be brand ambassadors for Tracks Music Library. And one of those artist curators is Rowdy, who's a hip hop artist, but also an educator and just really passionate about the hip hop scene about Chapel Hill. He's a UNC alumni and now he teaches at UNC as well. So he came to the arts and culture team and was like, I would love to do more with this. I would love to bring tracks to life. I would love to highlight hip hop in Chapel Hill. And we were like, hey, let's try to do this thing together. So Rowdy, it was a collaborative effort to work with Rowdy, the artist. He became the host for Tracks in the Stacks and helped us book three African-American artists from the collection to produce three tiny desk style concerts in the library. And it was super cool. They're like 15 minute long videos. Rowdy also connected us to these amazing, this amazing video team that he's worked with before. He helped us find sound engineer. So really these videos are like top quality on video production, audio, and also the the musician, the, the musicians in the video are great. So we saw XOXOK, who's a local jazz musician. He performed Austin Royale, which I always get twisted trying to explain his genre because it's truly like a fusion of rock and hip hop and all the things. And Aoni Jeffries, who is gorgeous vocal, indigenous woman. I guess the category might be pop, but really beautiful. So three three great concerts came out of it. And they also spent some time, Rowdy spent some time talking with each artist at the end of the video where they talked about their favorite books or authors that they're inspired by and what they love about the Chapel Hill music scene. So some really good, good videos and a way to meet some more of the artists behind Rex. Yeah. I love it. I love all this stuff that's kind of come up around around the collection. So if another library is thinking about building a local music collection, do you have some advice for them? Something you wish you'd known before you started or 
or something that was super successful for you guys that you want to share? Well, one of the things that I think is really important is to think about like, what are the reasons why you want to do this? Are the reasons and are, we were really clear about our, our goals and our interests from the outset, because we really wanted to do this to highlight and create opportunities, both for the, the local music scene, local artists, and to connect the, our audiences to local music, the library audience to local music. So those were the two, like we had that very clear, they were like guided every, every single thing we did and made it so that we could pivot when, you know, the world collapsed and we had to figure out a new path forward. And I think in some ways the creativity that we had to bring to that was in some way, I do think we got some stuff that we would never have gotten if we hadn't had to get so creative. But I think that's the number one thing is who, who is this for? And what is the reason you're doing it? Get really clear about that and keep that as your guide throughout. I also would recommend checking out Music Hat, our partner who created the platform for us. They're doing they're a little company, little startup, tiny, tiny, and they create these music libraries. They they works, you know, exclusively for libraries. They're open source, and their goal is really the same goal that we had, which is to support local musicians and support local music ecosystems. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for local musicians or for small, just getting started local musicians to find any like way to get traction on the internet. Like it's really easy now to produce an album, but very difficult to find an audience. And so I think the big desire that we have and that, and that our partner with Rabble that they have is to, is to help provide some of those tools for musicians to find their audiences. And what I hope happens in the future is that all of these little, all of these separate little music libraries that there are ways that we can collaborate with each other. So if like a Seattle act comes to Chapel Hill and plays, we could like connect on uh, across platforms and vice versa. You know, if, if, uh, if Rowdy, you know, goes to Austin, we could, you know, somehow highlight him on the Austin music library, which has the amazing title of electric ladybird. So, Ooh, I know, right? Well, so speaking of artists getting platforms, I wanted to give you guys a chance to shout out some of your favorite music from the collection. So if folks want a place to get started, they can go with Molly and Melissa's recommendations. Well, we do have our playlist, but I the one band that I immediately think of, I mean, we've mentioned several that I think are awesome. Mm-hmm. Ioni, Rowdy, there's some great new music. I could go on, but in my heart of hearts, my true heart's delight is a band called Bangs. Feminist punk uh, is my love language, and that's who they are. They awesome. rock. Their one of their songs is "Don't Touch People," and um, <laughs> I think it's a perfect song for the pandemic. Yes, <laughs> Melissa. What? Who are your faves? I'll just name drop a couple faves, like Tree City on the second collection. I think it's really funky. I love Violet Bell. And when I see Violet Bell showing up in other places in our community, I get so excited. Ioni, amazing, just like feel good music, like that makes me feel really empowered and strong. And I I love that 
there's just so much, there's a lot of good musicians on there and I, I can't pick just one, but the playlists are a great place to start. So if folks want to stream some local Chapel Hill music, where, where can they find tracks library? What's the URL? Tracksmusiclibrary.org is the place to go. Mobile friendly as well. So you can listen on your device, but tracksmusiclibrary.org. And then if you go to the featured tab, that's where you'll see all the playlists we've created. And if you're listening from the Triangle region of North Carolina, our open call for the submissions is January and February-ish every year. So So there's still time. Yeah. Submit your work. Um, We want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for chatting. It's such an exciting library and I had so much fun exploring it and listening to all this fun stuff and good luck with the future building up tracks. Thank you. It's one of the most fun things we get to do. Hey there, it's Heather Booth back to talk about audiobooks and more specifically award-winning audiobooks. At this year's Youth Media Awards, something happened that has never happened before. Two Odyssey medals were awarded. So far, each year that the Odyssey has been given, there has been one winner, that's the medalist, and between one and five Odyssey honor books. Why the change? Did this year's committee go rogue? Oh, come on, of course not. We're librarians and we take these awards very seriously. The charge of the award committee has actually changed based on a lot of conversations between the ALSC and YALSA boards. The Odyssey honors the best audiobook productions for children and young adults. That's everything from a rollicking three-minute-long musical explosion like C.G. Esperanza narrating her picture book Boogie Boogie Y'all in a way that makes the book's color, energy, and movement audible. The boogie down block party boogied in the sun. Up down all around the block was having fun. Papa Mango Teddy yelled the man with icy treats while the break drew boogie to a bamba yo beat. The whole block was bubbling and having a blast. Just then it happened with a bang and a flash. Boom Alakazuma art boogied off the wall. Boom Alakazuma art boogied off the wall. Boogie boogie y'all, everyone boogied away except two kids, a dog and cancer. All the way to Preston Butler III tapping into the main character's emotional core insecurities, fear, bravado, all of it in the novel length, emotion-packed, suspenseful, when you look like us. Just like Mrs. Pratt when she's ready to get all up in your business. Where's your sister? It doesn't matter how far away I am. Mimi's question knocks me right in the ribs. I open my mouth to spit another story about Nick and Sterling, but the lie sits heavy in my chest. So much so, I brush a hand across it to make sure my heart's still beating. Talk to your grandma. These two productions, these two Odyssey medalists this year, are so very different. In length, in production style, in presentation, and most importantly, in their audience. The change in the Odyssey medal allows one medal for children's productions and one for young adults, which will allow the committee to really consider the audio needs of the two different audiences. This change also, are you ready for this? It doubles the number of medals for audiobooks that the American Library Association gives. That's right, the Odyssey remains the only actual award for audiobooks from the ALA. That's not to say that we don't acknowledge audiobooks in other ways. Each year, Rusa Codes creates the Listen List. This is a fantastic resource that really does function as a sure bets for your adult audiobook advisory. Each year, Rusa Codes creates the Listen List, a fantastic resource that really does function as a sure bets for your audiobook advisory. 
You'll find something on that list for every taste here, from podcast-connected This Is Ear Hustle to the resonant and music-filled Broken Horses by recording artist Brandy Carlisle. There's fiction spanning mystery, history, and more. Things to make you laugh, things to make you cry, things to make you think. Something I particularly love about the Listen List is that this committee of library heroes doesn't just select the audiobooks, they select a set of listen-alikes for every single one of their selections. For youth, in addition to the Odyssey, youth audiobook listeners get two more great lists to choose from. For teens, there's the Amazing Audiobooks for Young Adults list, which is compiled and shared throughout the year on the Yalsa blog. And for the littlest listeners, Ask's Notable Recordings list collects both audiobooks and music worth seeking out for your collection. With award season upon us, don't forget to include audiobooks in your displays, lists, blind date with a book bags, and whatever other fun you have planned to highlight great titles and encourage reading in your community. Also, be sure to register for our amazing audiobooks webinar. It's Friday, February 25th. You can hear from publishers who will talk about the best new audio coming this spring, and booklist reviewer Maria del Carmen Cifuentes, who will get us excited about non-English audiobooks in libraries. And I'll be there too. Till next time, this is Heather Booth, Booklist Audio Editor. Happy listening. Want to share that great Booklist Reader's Advisory content with your patrons? Now it's easy with Booklist Reader, a selection of backlist booklists and best ofs designed with your patrons' reading needs in mind. Want to know the best book group books? Booklist Reader has a list. Looking for great middle grade graphic novels? There's a list for that. What about the best mysteries and thrillers on audio? You better believe Booklist Reader has a list for that, too. Best of all, the titles featured are already on your shelves, so no need for frustrating holds cues. Booklist Reader is included with your subscription to Booklist, so you can share this digital magazine on your library's website or newsletters. Find Booklist Reader on booklistonline.com reader issues and start sharing the great reader's advisory content with your patrons today. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Good enough, right? Yes. Okay. So how's how's your reading life been since we last spoke? I mean, fragmented probably yeah. is the best answer. Yeah, it's going around. I do most of my reading to my two-year-old daughter who demands reading just about every every time she's awake. And her favorite books right now are Little Witch Hazel by Phoebe Wall, which was our top of the list picture book. Nice. I feel pretty proud of myself for foisting that on <laughs> my daughter. You will read quality literature. <laughs> and it worked. It worked. She loves it. She asks for it almost every single night. She says, witch hazel, witch hazel. And it's nice because it's it's episodic. There are like four stories in it, one for each season. And she'll ask for which season she wants to hear. A lot of the time it's summer, but sometimes she wants to hear the fall story, which is a spooky one about a ghostly sound coming from a stump. She really likes it. It calms her right down at bedtime and then she'll go right to sleep. It's lovely. Oh my gosh. That's, that's an endorsement of a book. If I've ever heard one. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's also very nice to read out loud. The language is very lovely. It doesn't have any of those like annoyingly repetitive turns of phrase that makes parents hate books. And the pictures are lovely to look at. She'll point out little things that she sees too, like that's a butterfly or she's wearing boots. She always points out the boots. Because they're made for walking and reading. <laughs> the other one she's really been into lately is Mr. Watson's Chickens. That's by Jarrett Dapier and illustrated by Andrea Tsurumi. 
Andrea Tsirumi is one of my favorite illustrators. She did a book I loved called Accident, which is just like a little too busy for my two-year-old to handle. But Mr. Watson's Chickens is great. It's about two men who live in a house and they start with three chickens and then they have like 576 chickens at the peak. And the chickens do all sorts of fun things in the background, like aerial acrobatics, close-up magic. They do puppet shows. Oh my gosh. They're tie-dyeing t-shirts. They get into the hair gel. It's really amazing. Like every single page is like jam-packed with all these really silly looking chickens. And she really likes it because she's also obsessed with chickens. She loves reading and chickens. There's a house in her neighborhood that has a backyard coop. And on the weekend, she always says, go see chickens. And so we walk to see the chickens. And she loves Mr. Watson's chickens, which is also nice for me because we get to stay inside where it's warm. Yes. And not have to, I don't know, see chickens outside. (laughs) I mean, it's just like a block away. So it's not that bad. It's always nice to go out for a little walk. But sometimes I don't want to go out where it's cold. Right. I mean, as we're recording this, it's probably about 10 degrees in Chicago. So Mm -hmm. I'm sitting currently in my office with a heating pad under my feet because my office is cold and a blanket around my shoulders. And I'm also wearing a sweater and a long sleeve shirt. (laughs) Look how we suffer for our art (laughs) and our existence, really. I also am, I'm going to rub this in your face a little bit here, Susan. I got a sneak peek of Ducks by Kate Beaton. Oh, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. And I was reading it today and it's awesome. It's coming in in September. What is it called? Ducks? Ducks. It's a memoir of her years working in the oil sands in Alberta. Oh, right. It started out as a short comic back in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014 or something like that. I love Kate Beaton. I love her. I love all of her work. I'm obsessed with her comics. She usually does really fun, punchy, wry comedy. And this is has a lot of the same dry wit that I think you would expect from her, but it's also very serious. And I am really obsessed with it already. I only started reading it today, but I've been waiting for this book literally for years. Like as soon as it was announced as a long form comic, it was like top of my list of things that I wanted to read when they were available. So I am very, very happy to be reading this right now. Yeah. I might have to see if there's someone I can borrow it from when it's done. <laughs> hmm, I wonder who that might be. Yeah. <laughs> that's exciting when does yep. do you know when that comes out that's coming out in september so there are a few months yet before it will be available to the reading public but put it on your calendars it's going to be a good one yeah put it on your tbrs Hmm. cool that's basically it for what i've been reading lately that's a pretty good mixture i like it chickens mm-hmm. and dust ducks and Little witches living in the forest, wearing cute clothes with boots. Perfect. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing. Thank you for having me. See you next time. Yeah. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast. Thanks to Molly and Melissa from Chapel Hill for talking to me about tracks. And thanks to Heather Booth and Sarah Hunter for great listening and reading suggestions. All of the books and music we talked about are listed in the show notes at booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care. If you liked what you've heard, why not give us a rate and review? That will help other like-minded folks find shelf care. Until next time, happy reading! Happy reading!